back to Fornication, the podcast dedicated to love, all kinds of love, as long as it's legal and consensual. I am your host and ally, Jack. If that intro and the episode title somehow wasn't clear enough, today's episode is my biology-centric celebration of Pride Month. For anybody listening who doesn't consider themselves to be a supporter of the LGBTQIA community, this episode probably isn't for you. But also, neither are any of my other episodes. I am genuinely shocked you're here. I don't know how you can listen to a podcast with my subject material as a homophobe, but if you somehow fell through the cracks, consider this your invitation to unsubscribe. Shockingly, the host of a podcast that gets excited about homosexual behavior in bonobos and albatrosses does not get disgusted by homosexual behavior in humans. Also, the views expressed by me as an individual do reflect the views of Fornication Podcast LLC, because I am the one who paid for the license and owns it. But onto the content, because that's why you come here. So if you're listening from outside of America, June in America is commemorated as Pride Month for the rainbow community to coincide with the anniversary of the Stonewall riots. If you're in a country that celebrates during a different month, I guess you can wait until your month to listen to this episode or listen to it twice, do whatever you want. I'm not your mom but I thought it'd be fun to celebrate the festivities and commemorate the importance in my own way by drunkenly talking about sex on the internet. <laughs> Side note, current drink of choice is the Bamboo XO Rum mixed with cherry coke with aromas of toffee, toasted oak, and vanilla. It pairs pretty mediocre with cherry coke. Yeah! I'm not sponsored by them, I just wanna be. Sex, sex is natural, it's an instinct. Mother nature whispers in our ear telling us, expand the population. One man and one woman get together with the sole purpose of making a baby. That is a big, pretty common argument from opponents of the LGBT community, that sex without the purpose of reproduction is unnatural. Therefore, anything aside from heterosexual fornication is unnatural. That's why you see it in animals. Except, of course, you know, the very, very rare exceptions like uh, sparrows, albatrosses, koalas, lions, orcas, pandas, raccoons, giraffes, bonobos, bearded dragons, garter snakes, cattle, dolphins, chimpanzees, dogs, foxes, box crabs, chickens, emus, penguins, salmon, ostriches, ravens, and like one or two or something others. You get it. It's, it's rare. Unfortunately for those who use that argument, that's not exactly scientifically the case but I do want to commend them on sticking to their principles. Since sex is only for reproduction, no other purpose, I'm glad that none of them ever engage in it for pleasure or use birth control. It's one thing to be wrong, but never be a hypocrite. Fortunately, since I am not of that opinion, I can just have sex to enjoy it without being a hypocrite. It's pretty great. And that is actually completely natural. Let's be realistic. What the hell isn't natural? It's happening in nature. It's natural. <laughs> Like, unless your sex somehow involves, like, plutonium or something, you know? Actually, no, actually, even plutonium has been found in nature. Whatever you're doing is natural. It's in nature, because you are part of nature. Anyways, many aspects of sex, even for pleasure, are found in non-human animals. Even fetishes. Probably not fetishes as specific as, like, you know, balloon fetishes, which is wild. <laughs> but the concept of fetishes, for sure. Honestly, the only activity, the only activity I've found that humans engage in that I haven't been able to find replicated in any other species is eating ass. So congratulations to every single millennial, truly a generation just embodying their trailblazing reputation. 
I can find examples of like oral sex, both for males and females. I can find masturbation, I can find orgies, I can find anal sex, I can find prostitution, I can even find race fetishism. I just, I can't find eating butt, which I suppose makes sense. That probably boils down to a purely hygienic thing. I'm gonna guess it wasn't as popular for humans when we had worse hygiene practices, but now we have bidets. We are a species with incredibly clean butts, ripe for eating. <laughs> so let's work our way through the alphabet soup and figure out just how natural it is to be queer. Starting, of course, with L and G, lesbian and gay, arguably the more well-known departments, which of course did not exist in non-human animals before the 1990s totally new phenomenon. So it turns out the conspiracy theory purported by Alex Jones of Infowars was right. The Pentagon has gay chemicals that they put in the water and it turned the frogs gay. I think we can assume that the gay water spread around and the newly gay animals poisoned with the gay water were then eaten by predators. So then it got to their system. And that's why we now see homosexual behavior in animals. No other explanation. Thank God for the gay water though. Otherwise my podcast wouldn't be very interesting. Although for this specific joke, I wanna explicitly state that I am 100% joking. The Pentagon is not leaking gay juice into the water because that literally doesn't exist. That would be insane. <laughs> Alex Jones is a fucking idiot. But I'm not lying about animals not being homosexual prior to the 90s. That has a more reasonable, more human explanation. Observer bias. Researchers observed homosexual behavior in animals, which was a huge taboo during their time, not even like a little socially acceptable, and desperately tried to explain it away to fit within the confines of natural heterosexual reproduction, generally taking the form of it's a domination technique or a sign of submission or social bonding. But since the 90s, many countries have lightened up on the stigmatization and that bias is significantly reduced. I'm not gonna say it's cured, but compared to where the world was like 100 years ago, it's progress. <laughs> so now we have researchers who observe homosexual behavior and attempt to explain it rather than explain it away. And they now accept the explanation of this animal engages in homosexual behavior because it likes to. <laughs> Animals do not give a fuck about our social norms. They don't do everything purely out of survival instinct. They will do whatever they want to just because they want to, without any consideration given to the agendas of human political parties. There are at least 500 species that have been observed engaging in homosexual activity. 500 species that we know of. And we don't even know all of the species that exist. <laughs> Nature is super gay. It's so gay that we can find rainbow-colored lorikeets having gay rainbow sex. It's, it's, it's gay, guys. <laughs> but obviously we can't call these animals truly homosexual because they inevitably resort to heterosexuality in order to reproduce. Wait, I am facetiously lying again. I never do that. Remember my episode about the lesbian lazen albatross? They should really combine those two words. Lesbian, lazen, la lesbian lesbian albatrosses, they mate for life. Anyways, they'll technically go get a sperm donor, sure, and then they bring their egg back to their wife and then they'll raise the chick together, which sounds kinda super lesbian to me. You know, they, they got an egg donor. Humans get egg donors. They're just a lesbian couple. So that feels pretty gay. Although one might argue that lesbian albatrosses are only gay because of a population imbalance there's more females than there are males. 
But that does not explain domestic sheep, where up to 8% of male sheep will display a preference for other males, even when there are fertile females. And the preference is lifelong. It's not a phase. But I, I admit, a large chunk of the animals included in that list of 500 animals are not truly homosexual. They would fit better into the department for our next letter in LGBTQIA+. B, for bisexuality. Because while a lot of those animals definitely, well, obviously they engage in homosexual behavior, that's why they're included in the list, they often also engage in heterosexual behavior. Math means that it falls into bisexual territory. Homo plus hetero, bi, right? I don't think I need to explain that. I don't know why I did. <laughs> animals like the giraffe, where males will often caress and court and then mount each other, leading to climax. So it's not just, you know, best friends cuddling or something. And they do it more often with each other than they do with females. But they'll definitely go to the females for sex, they just seem to have a preference for males. Bottlenose dolphins are definitely bisexual, and they're actually pretty famous for engaging in sex for pleasure anyways. Females will often put their beaks into the genital opening of another female and then stimulate her. On the other hand, males will insert their penis into another male's anus or genital slit, but they'll also happily engage in sex with the opposite sex. Not just for reproduction, but for pleasure, because sex is great. Although don't get me wrong, bottlenose dolphins definitely have some questionable other practices. If you remember the Odelitron squid that chucks sperm at anybody who swims by, I wouldn't call that bisexuality, I would just call that desperation, honestly. I also hesitate to include the sexually famous bonobos into the bisexuality section because, honestly, I feel like they're more pansexual. With nymphomania, obviously. <laughs> Which you might think is weird because the main difference between bi and pan is that bisexual, kind of by definition, means attraction to two genders. Pan is a little broader, and it means sexuality regardless of gender. So that means the male gender, the female gender, but also people who are gender fluid, non-binary, transgender, anything on the gender spectrum. So tangent real quick, let's talk about Q for queer. Queer is really broad. It's kind of a catch-all term for sexual and gender minorities. Basically, if you're not heterosexual, you're queer. If you don't identify your gender with your biological sex, you're queer. Broadly, animals don't really have gender. They have sexes. Gender is an identity that one forms about oneself, which can or doesn't have to align with your biological sex. But having that kind of gender identity about yourself requires a lot of cognitive processing that as far as we know, many animals just aren't capable of. They don't have the brain power. They got little brains. They got little smooth brains. Which would mean that pansexuality would generally not be possible, as there wouldn't be any attraction outside of males and females. No need to include other genders because they don't exist, because they don't have genders. But research indicates that bonobos and chimps might actually have genders. Maybe. So to figure this out, they determined first that chimps and bonobos first need a sense of self-identity. That part was honestly really easy. Quite a few animals have been proven to. Chimps and bonobos were definitely up there, you know? They see themselves as an entity separate from the rest of the world. Done. Next step. Do they understand that other apes are also their own entities that exist separate from the rest of the world? Or do they walk around basically thinking everything else alive is just an NPC in Skyrim? The consensus over the past 30 years of research is mostly yes. Not to the same extent as humans, of course, but they do comprehend that other chimps or bonobos are their own selves with separate goals and perceptions and intentions and internal mental lives. 
Researchers have also determined that chimps and bonobos do have a sense of male and female, or whatever they call it in the native ape language that they speak. And in a laboratory, they applied sex roles to males and females. So it's possible that chimps and bonobos have binary genders since they do have a sense of sex roles and self-identity. But do they have a spectrum like humans that would make pansexuality possible? Maybe. Both of them have high flexibility in their social bonds, the roles they play in a social group, and often display activities like grooming, foraging, friendship, and hierarchical structure or politics that are atypical for their sex. So maybe they have more than two genders, maybe they're gender fluid, or maybe they don't have gender. We won't know until we learn to speak ape, and I'm not going to go around making a fool of myself and start grunting at chimpanzees, so somebody else can do that. But for now, genderqueer and pansexuality are cautious possibilities in non-human animals, which really just adds to how open and inclusive Mother Nature is. Like, the fact that it's not a hard no is just... It's great, I guess, you know? So let's move on to T. Transgender and transsexual. The natural conclusion based off what I just said is that if gender is not conclusively real in animals, and even if it is real, it would only be for a few of them, maybe some of those bonobos and chimpanzees are transgender, but like I said, we don't know yet. But it kind of makes transgender seem unrealistic. Except an animal that might fall under transgender, depending on how specific or vague that definition is, is the rough bird. R-U-F-F. Rough like dog, not rough like your childhood. Rough birds are sexually dimorphic, so you can tell the males and females apart pretty easily. Sort of. There's actually multiple types of males, and all the males look different from each other. I don't want to spoil too much because this is one of the upcoming episodes, but the part where it falls under transgender is the fader male. He looks almost exactly like a female, and he hangs out with all the females, pretending to be a female, and the other males will often mistakenly mount the fader male, thinking he's a female, and he's down. He loves it. That's just one example, and probably probably a rare example, of transgender animals. But we have definitely got a bunch of transsexual animals on our planet. Especially in the ocean, because <laughs> the ocean is a weird fucking place. Seriously, it's the wild west of evolution. No laws, absolute madness. A well-known example, if you're in these circles, I guess, but a well-known example would be the clownfish. You know, Nemo. Clownfish have matriarchal societies, where the big bad bitch is in charge of the males. But if the female dies, the highest ranking male will fall into the gender role of the dead female, and then he will change his biological sex to match that. Bearded dragons are also frequently transsexual, and add that they're a frequent pet for homophobic edgelord teenagers, that just gives me a lot of joy. But if males are exposed to warm temperatures, they'll alter their own development and become female drag queens. Excuse me, dragons. They'll be genetically male, but they will engage in typically female social interactions and sexual encounters, and they'll even lay eggs that hatch into real, living, viable, healthy baby dragons. Without wings, though, which is stupid. With all the genetically modified animals in the world, the fact that we don't have real dragons yet actually pisses me off. And you know what? Same with dinosaurs. We have chickens. We have chickens, you guys. Just tweak some of the genetics and give us a raptor. They're kind of the same size. They're the same thing. Clearly only people with shitty priorities go into these fields. <sighs> Back to the gays. Our next letter is I, for intersex. This one's fucking easy. There's a lot, a lot of animals, especially invertebrates, that have both sets of reproductive organs. A lot of them are like that by default. They don't have different sexes. So technically, in the animal world, intersex is referred to as hermaphroditism, 
and it used to be for humans, but it was also frequently used as an insult, and it garnered a huge negative connotation. So even though it wouldn't be, I guess, incorrect in human animals, it's socially a dick move. Don't be an asshole. So I'm gonna be using intersex from here on. So back to non-human animals, because that's what we're about here. We, it's just me. It's just me alone in my office. Well, I guess my dog's here, we. <laughs> so there are around 65,000 species that are intersex, thousand. <laughs> For starters, that's almost all species of snails, slugs, and earthworms that are just intersex by default. Intersex is, it's what's normal for them. They don't know any different. They don't know, you know, gender roles, I guess. <laughs> but that just means that nothing is normal. And that's a stupid standard. But it won't stop there because invertebrates are just known for being weird in general. So that probably won't stop the bigots. So let's move on to a more typically animal seeming animal. <laughs> Cause you know, slugs are just blobs. Fish are not well known for being intersex. Fish are real animals. <laughs> and the Hamlet fish is also intersex by default. So quite a few intersex animals engage in self-fertilization. They have both parts, so they use them within themselves, but not the Hamlet fish. It'll still mate with other Hamlets and they'll take turns with which reproductive organs they'll use for each mating session. So everybody gets to enjoy all the parts. But intersex animals are also seen in species where binary sexes are the default. There's been quite a few examples of cardinals and chickens who were half and half. Like seriously, the left half of their body would be one sex and the right half of their body would be the other. An actual straight line right down the middle, including dimorphic coloring. So for a cardinal, the female half would be gray and the male half would be red. Actually, lobsters are frequently intersex in the same way. And snakes and butterflies and parrots and crabs, spiders, crickets, locusts, ticks, ants, termites, bees, lizards, mice, and dragonflies, and probably more. <laughs> For being such a rarity, it's weirdly common, almost like it's natural. Strange. I'm trying to decide if the anglerfish counts as intersex, since the female absorbs the males into her body and uses their sperm to self-fertilize, I guess. So would that be intersex, or would that be chimerism? Is she a chimera? Can she be both a chimera and intersex? I feel like, yeah, why not? Very probably, but not for sure. Whatever, nothing is actually real. Moving on, let's go to the last letter in today's series, A, for aromantic and asexual. Also agendered, but we've accidentally already discussed that. <laughs> aromantic is pretty obvious, I think. Like emotionless sex is pretty frequent in animals, Considering a lot of female spiders or praying mantises eat their partner, I doubt there's a lot of intimacy between the couple. But asexual, on the other hand, isn't a thing. Obviously, you can't grow your species population if you're asexual. Like I said before, sex is natural, which means no sex is unnatural. Sorry, guys. Looks like your existence is invalidated. Sorry to be cocktease, I'm just kidding. Of course asexuality is natural. Remember back when I was talking about intersex animals like a minute ago, like a whole minute ago? I said a lot of them engage in self-fertilization, which means no sex, no sex, asexual. Sexual reproduction without any of the mess. Well, except the birth, I guess. <laughs> That's pretty messy in general. <laughs> but lots of animals are just not interested in having sex and have figured out how to have families without it. 
So I guess asexuality is natural, but let's take it even further as I'm known to do. <laughs> Self-fertilization, as the name obviously implies, still requires fertilization, sperm meets egg. So if you wanted to be a hard ass, I suppose you could still call that like sexual reproduction, because I suppose it is, even if the sexy time isn't happening. Asexual reproduction with no fertilization is still completely natural in nature, which is pretty neat. And that's why they call it nature. <laughs> I did not make up that joke. I'm not clever enough for that. It's from YouTube. <laughs> so parthenogenesis is the natural version of asexual reproduction coming from the Greek parthenos, which means virgin, and genesis, which means creation, which feels distantly familiar. I feel like I've heard that kind of term before. Either way, we've seen it occur like quite regularly with quite a few animals. If you remember my episode about honeybees, the queen lays unfertilized eggs. She can choose to get them fertilized if she needs them to be, but if they go unfertilized, they grow up to be totally live capable, handsome young men. There's also a lizard species that is completely 100% female because its only method of reproduction is asexually, like by default. Since nothing ever gets fertilized to make babies, males became obsolete and also genetically impossible. <laughs> so she is called the New Mexico whiptail and is only one of a large handful of lizards that uses parthenogenesis. I think like 25, 25 or something like that. And a similar amount of fish species are also known to be exclusively parthenogenic. So the obvious argument here is that these species are asexual by default, whereas humans are generally sexual. Therefore, asexual humans are still not natural. I would never leave you guys hanging like that. Of course I'm gonna talk about how that's bullshit. Animals that normally reproduce sexually have also been seen reproducing asexually. As wild as that may seem, nature is a wild, inclusive bitch. Komodo dragons, hammerhead sharks, zebra sharks, and blacktip sharks are all species that, according to the default factory settings, are sexual. And yet, some of them decided, fuck it, I don't need no man, I'ma do me, and do themselves they did, giving birth to fully viable, healthy pups. Well, okay, for sharks it's pups. I don't know what a baby dragon is called. A wormling? I think it's a wormling. I've been playing D&D lately, but we haven't fought any dragons yet, so... I'll ask the dungeon master if it's a wormling. <laughs> Either way, if you're asexual, you're basically a shark and you're completely natural or you're basically the Virgin Mary. So Catholics should start worshiping you. Good job. Actually, I think as this episode demonstrates, everyone is completely natural. Everything is normal because everything that's weird happens too much to be called weird anymore. And the only reason to hate somebody for being part of the LGBTQIA community is because you are an asshole. Being against rainbow rights is bucking against nature. That being said, something that is weird is me doing a fundraiser for human animals. But I'm gonna. I couldn't find any charities for queer, non-human animals, so I guess I'll do it for us bipedal hairless freaks. So that means, as usual, 100% of my Patreon proceeds will be donated and then matched. And if you make a new pledge to the Patreon for $5 or more, I will send you free shit. And still donate the money and match the donation to The Trevor Project, which focuses on crisis and suicide prevention amongst queer youth. Basically, suicide within the demographic is pretty, pretty disproportionate, pretty bleak compared to the rest of the population. 
especially for teens and young adults, you know, it's a pretty vulnerable population. And that's obviously bad. So let's donate. Let's help them out. Happy Pride, everyone. Don't forget why commemorating Pride is important and the steps we still have to take, but also don't forget to enjoy the celebrations. You can do both. Thank you so much for listening. I love you guys. Bye.